1: Good morning. Welcome in. It's fantasy sports today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia talking fantasy sports, reality sports, right here exclusively on the Sports Grid Network. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Grid as we close in on the middle of the week. Joe, how's your week been going
2: so far? Pretty busy. I mean, I know everyone says they're bored at home. I am not. I need a break. It's been a long day, but a good one. We got another Diamond Bet show in the can talking a lot of great baseball stuff, so that's been fun. The Black Book is slowly coming together, all the pieces of the puzzle. Everyone's starting to submit their pages to me, so that's very exciting too. And I got to talk a little NFL with my good friends at Five Yard Rush this afternoon over there in UK. They are super bummed about uh, no NFL games out there or MLB games out there either this year, but they're going very strong as well, so it's been a very busy and productive day. How about you, Craig Mish? What are you up to on this uh, fine day? Well, it seems like the
1: same thing every single day. Um, You know, doing the show, playing outside, staring at walls, eating lunch, exercising. It's like this routine that I have every single day is pretty much the same. Are you a creature
2: of habit, generally speaking?
1: Uh, not
2: necessarily. No, I don't I don't think
1: so, not necessarily, but in in during this, yes, the last few weeks I've been.
2: So you find the structure things. to be helping you basically.
1: Basically, uh, every day, my uh, son wakes up first because he's got the early class online at 9 am. right. And so I'll wake up with him, get him on there. He does the class from uh, nine to uh, 10 am is the first one. And by that time, my daughter and my wife are up too, and my wife, and my daughter's on her class, and my son does his class. Then after that's done, he takes a break, has a snack, he goes back for his second class, which is about ten thirty to eleven, and then he has another
2: class from eleven thirty to uh, about twelve thirty. And so that's very interesting how they're doing yeah. it. So you're they're breaking it up in actual classes. See, my kids get all their work, and then they figure out what order they want to do what and how they want to do it, basically. So and I've got I mean, have I don't, I don't, I don't know
1: what's better or worse, but I, I can tell you that the first couple of weeks were not good because, uh, you know, listen, for my daughter, she's self-sufficient because she's older already. So she just right. gets the work done. She knows when it's due. But for my son, who's seven, he would get the work and then these these zooms would be over and then he'd be like, all right, let's go play. And so this was going on for like 2 weeks until I guess a lot of the parents said, "Hey, like we need to first of all <laughs> now now the teachers they stay on the Zoom call even after it's over for help. That's mm-hmm. number 1 and number 2 at the end of each of these calls, they now say, "Hey, now when you're done, it's not time to play. You got to get your work done that I've given you," you know. So that that's the biggest difference is that is that that part of it, you know, all that work is normally right. done at school. And now it's being done at home. But my son is into that groove there. But usually around the time that he does the, uh, the mid-morning class is when I take, at that point, I break free and I'll take my time at that point. So then I'll jump in on the show, obviously, and do the show from 11 to 1. After that, it is a strict uh, one hour every single day treadmill exercise. Uh, then what I'll do is go out, See if there's mail. I'll just go get the mail in my car. Come back Um, once a week. Going shopping for food now. It's about once. It's it was zero in the first month. Now it's about once a week going shopping for food. Mm -hmm. And then my wife around four thirty, you know, starts dinner. Five thirty, we're eating. Six o'clock, seven o'clock, everyone's taking a bath, taking a shower. Eight o'clock, it's some, you know,
2: game time. And then nine o'clock, bed. That's Ned Ryerson's there waiting for you outside every day. It's the same. head, head Ned. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know they were talking right. I think it's important for this time Mm -hmm. to to have that. I I would say that the 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 creature of habit is only based around uh, me making sure that I get a workout in. Like I used to not really care. I used to be an intense, intense workout person, and then I just completely stopped. And for about Mm -hmm. a year, I felt like crap. And then since then, it's just. If I miss a day, I get upset with myself and so I double down on the next day. That's the one thing now that I that I had to change. And you know, going to doctor's appointments and seeing different doctors, they always ask that question. And I always felt so guilty when I wasn't doing it. So I've I've recommitted myself to Do you know the same to- thing
2: at the dentist when they ask you if you floss every day? Do you floss every day? I lie. You lie. Everyone lies. No one flosses every day. I lie. If they do, they're neurotic. No one flosses every day. Everyone's like, yeah, I floss. And they know. They know. That's why they give no, you free I 100% floss. i yeah, like, come on, lie. get on there. Look, it's free. And you still don't. You, you floss like the next day and then another one. And then you get something in your teeth a week later. And then, you know, then the whole thing just dies. Right.
1: <laughs> so the, the things that I used to keep for myself every single day was after this show was over, I would go pick up my uh, kids from school. Uh, My wife would usually do the drop-off, and then I would do the pickup because of the time of the show, from 11 to 1. Right. So that was the one part of the regimen that I do miss that I was pretty strict about, is that as soon as the show was over, I would get in my car, and I would immediately go and eat lunch somewhere. I'd pick Mm -hmm. a different place each day, just to change it up, but I'd always leave, right, at 1 o'clock. So I'd drive either to a sub shop, or uh, I mean, it's it just different places around or uh, right around where my kid's school was. And then I would, you know, eat, get in my car and then go on the car line and wait for the kids. But at that time was like my one hour chill moment sitting on that car. Line. I'd listen to the radio, catch up on everything going on during football. I was looking at the spreads and the lines mm-hmm. and everything else. That's the one thing, that little part of the freedom that I do miss. That's, you know, not being not leaving at all is, is that's that's a hard part of this. That's what I would say.
2: Yeah, I think everyone has their things that they need right now. It's it's tough. I mean, sometimes it's tough to even stick to a regimen right now certain things too. I think, but uh, everyone's got their stuff. Everyone's got their time. You need your me time, Craig Mish. You know, you hopefully you'll get more of that back here in the weeks and months to come. Hopefully we all do as well. But uh, look, you know, and then meantime, I don't we have to see do that. The stuff we in, by the way, <laughs> what <laughs> getting your me time back?
1: Well, I mean, for, well, I, first of all, I don't I don't need any more than I'm already getting. I'm good with that. But I just don't think that we're going to see a crazy change in the world for the next two or three months. I think that there's no – I mean, for – they based, last night we got our email from the camps that there's no camps in June. So, I mean, it's uh, it's basically now now down to July or nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't so. – the uh, you know, kids would do the half-day camps or things like that or like a week of camp, like a dance camp for half a day or something like that. I, you know what? I, I look at that with my kids where it says, hey, you know, it's a summertime – You've worked hard all year. You deserve a break, too. I like to give them the break. I understand it's not easy for every parent to do that. It's very difficult. You know, they need someone to be with the kids when they're not around. So I'm very lucky in that respect. But, you know, the kids need a break, too. It's uh, it's it's definitely been a a time of um, challenge. But uh, it's been a really good time here at the Pisa Pia House. We've had actually had a pretty good time here. So I'm actually grateful for it. I've been uh, looking on the brighter side of stuff. And... You know, there's certainly a lot of other people. It's like Twitter is going to be working from home, potentially, for the foreseeable future, too.
1: Yeah, let's uh, get into that a little bit, Joe. I think that that's really interesting because, um, you know, we're at the point now here where everyone is kind of taking this on. And I think that in the case of uh, of Twitter, too, um, the employees essentially, uh, you know, I think that they can handle everything from their house. Like, I never thought that we'd be able to broadcast our whole entire network from our houses, but everybody else is doing
2: it, too. So why not Twitter? Yeah, and uh, it certainly does make sense to at least have the infrastructure in place to do this. Actually, we had a fascinating article too about uh, Governor Cuomo in New York talking with Bill Gates about a lot more virtual classroom things, and you know the idea of these buildings and whatnot, and you know you're keeping all these buildings and running the millions of dollars we spend. But if children can learn in different facets, maybe it's time to start looking at different ways. And I'll tell you what, it's that's an interesting conversation to have because I don't know about you, but you know school is partially for those kids who don't homeschool, school is a lot more about learning your social things and and understanding all the pitfalls and the positives and the negatives and going through all those wacky things that you go through in middle school and high school. That kind of shapes who you are. And I wonder, you know, the kids who don't really have as much of that, you know, how that affects them later on. I know some kids probably it doesn't affect them at all. Others, maybe it does. But uh, I think it's fascinating to at least look into the options as children get older of being able to do more things from home or in their own environments were you somebody who worked better in a group or somebody who was better when you just left your own devices uh yeah i mean
1: i've i've been doing my own thing for a long time so i don't know i don't don't really remember working (laughs) with a group i i I prefer
2: being on my own for the most part i like to collaborate but I like to like bring my part of the collaboration. That's like the acting part in me, too. You know, As the actor, you work on everything, and then you bring it to then work with other people. Same thing with the Black Book. I work on my stuff, and everybody else brings their things, and we all collaborate together. But I kind of cherish that that crafted home kind of thing, and then kind of bring your work in as opposed to... I hated the group project, because there was that one kid who didn't do anything. It was that one kid who wanted to do everything, or at least tell you how to do it. The group projects were annoying. I hated those in school. I know that guy. He's working for us on the Purple Book. Yeah, that guy. That guy's a jerk. Nobody likes him.
1: Yeah, I, I think that working at television stations and radio stations for many years, I think that that was probably the closest that I would come to collaborating uh, mm-hmm. in in media. I mean, I worked at, at uh, a yogurt shop, I, TCBY. I collaborated putting the yogurt in the machines when I was 18 years old. So I think that counts, too. But, um I, I think I could go either way. I think I don't really, you know, I really don't, um, at this stage of where I'm at, I, I really don't mind leading. I don't mind following. I don't mind working together. Whatever it is to put the best thing out, that's that's pretty much what I'll do. Now, I think that of of all the things that I've been involved in, TV, radio, anything-wise, I think I'll have a, probably a strong opinion on on different things. And so that would make a collaboration a little bit more difficult with people who don't agree with me. But in the end, the one trait that I know that I do have, as it pertains to anything, is that I will do whatever it is that's what's best for a show, a, anything. Like, I understand that it is about a team, and you have to do things in order to make the team work. It's not a one-man type deal. So however anything needs to happen, I'm usually the first one to say,
2: hey, I'll do this to make this happen, or I'll do this to make that better. So That's why you were the C. That's why you were the, right the C, Craig. It's not for Craig. It's for Captain. A lot of people think it's just for Craig. Not true. It's like for Derek Captain.
1: Jeter. My like Derek Jeter cap is being.
2: Do you yeah. also send those baskets out the next day too, like Derek Jeter used to? We don't
1: talk about that here, Joe. That's not something <laughs> that we do on this show.
2: <laughs> you know, a nice edible arrangement and NDA. I mean, you know, that's perfect way to send people off. I think he's well aware of those jokes, by the way. <laughs> you know what? They're funny. I don't care. if you're Derek Jeter. They're funny. i put- He's not. He's not that sensitive like that. Was, I don't. I wouldn't imagine he is. is. I imagine he
1: has a much. He's a, better lot, sense he's a lot like Michael Jordan in that sense.
2: Right. He if you just, could ever strip everything away and get him to just tell you the truth about, you know he what? Would
1: just I want to win, and that's it. Nothing. That's else. another one too. That's about me. You know
2: what? You we talked about who we'd like to see in movies. If they did a ten-part one on that Yankee dynasty, and Jeter opened up and was dropping f-bombs the way Jordan did in this last chance, uh, that I can get behind, man. That could be really cool to see a whole different side of DJ. That would that, be very. That's. Fun.
1: I would tell you that since he's taken over as the CEO of the Marlins and I think that like a lot of other people have said, I put myself in that same category that once he knows your name, you've kind of crossed like a different barrier with him and I've crossed Mm -hmm. that barrier. So I've had a chance to talk to him privately about different things. And I could tell you that there is so much misconception about like his perception, what he, what, what what they think that he must think about. I mean, he literally, he, this guy does never get, like, oh, Jeter must be mad. This guy never gets mad. He never gets angry. He, he's there to able be to mad about? No, but it's there. like, because people just rip him for nothing all the time. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports Today with our fantasy birthdays right after this.
0: DailyRoto.com
1: And hey, welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. It is time for this day in Fantasy Sports, and it's time to blow out the candles from a social distancing point of view. I guess you do that like this now with the candles. I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah,
2: they just hand you a candle. You have to hold a candle?
1: I guess so. The I whole had thing my- now? I had my birthday last month. We, uh, we did it here in the house, but I
2: don't know how it is to be outside. I, I'm just not
1: sure. It is world.
2: kind of a funny thing to think about, like that for years and years we all just – you know, whoever's birthday was just got to blow their germs all over the food that you're all going to eat. Kind of interesting when you think about it. Not sure where that tradition came from. I know where the cheers tradition came from, which was, you know that one, right? You understand why people toast and cheers like that? Tell us, Joe. I will tell you, Craig Mish. It's because when you when you clink the glasses, it's to make sure that nobody was. Had poisoned anybody so that all the drinks wouldn't mesh into the other beers. So you'd all do it together. You're supposed to hit them hard so they all would cross over into everyone else's drink and then everyone would drink. So if somebody was poisoned, you're all going down. That's where it all came from. See that? You learn things on fantasy sports today. All right. So very good. That's
1: where we're at. Right. Well, this is uh, time for this day in fantasy sports for May the 13th, 2020. Let's get started with uh, Stan the Man. Stan Musial is the eighth Major League Baseball player to get to 3,000 hits. Joe, does 3,000 hits still mean a lot these days? What do you think?
2: Oh, yeah. I think 3,000 hits means a ton. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be harder to come by because a lot of players don't have to play that long. And a lot of players have other things ahead of them, especially making a lot more money. They're set for life at a way earlier age. But on top of which, I just don't know at this point how important it is milestone-wise for a lot of guys. I think nowadays it's about getting to the major leagues, getting paid, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there was um, a different feel to the craft back then of of what level you wanted to be, and some guys still have that. I think the Mike Trouts of the world still have that. I think there's a handful of guys that still have that kind of pride. I think they all have a certain level of pride, but to hang on long enough to do 3,000 that's a that's a big number there for Musial, and you look at Sam Musial too. This is a guy who had a phenomenal career, but never hit 40 home runs in a season. However. We're talking about, you know, years where you have 220 hits, 230 hits, uh, was somewhere always around 30 home runs, was just so consistent to be a, a career 331 hitter and a career 976 OPS over 22 years. That's including, you know, some down years at the end. But, I mean, down for him was 255 in his very last year when he's 42 years old. Stan, the man, had a an incredible career for sure and obviously an iconic Cardinal. And, and you know what? Should I get... You know, he does get talked about in those legendary players, but he's never quite in that same breath as the Mazes and Ruths and guys like that. He's always kind yeah. of in that next tier. And and I think that's because he never had that prolific 50 home run season or something like that. Home runs, you know, chicks dig the long ball. So at the end of the day, I think that's what happens.
1: Yeah, it could be. You're right. He doesn't get mentioned a lot in those uh, conversations. All right, 1967, uh, Mickey Mantle hits his 500th home run. must be milestone day off uh, Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Stu Miller. There are a lot of people who still covet all of Mickey Mantle's home runs. I believe he hit a couple of 560 foot home runs that were yeah. officially tracked. I just, I, I still hard to get my arms around that one.
2: A yeah, couple Mike, times he did it. Mickey Mantle was uh, a special talent. In fact, talked about him a lot coming up on Diamond Bets on Sunday because it's our center field action spectacular and uh, digging into Mickey Mantle's peak. This was a guy that had those 52 home runs, 130 oh, yeah. RBI seasons and You know, we also look at Mickey Mantle of uh, what if he hadn't hurt that knee on the sprinkler and maybe his career could have been even better. Also, a guy that wrestled with his own personal demons as well. And, you know, father died young, uncles died young, grandfather died young. He thought he was on that same path. And as he famously said later in his career or in his life, he says, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. He would have been on the Craig Mish program, He exercising every day. The taking good care of himself, that's what it's all about. But Mickey Mantle, I mean, iconic baseball New York figure, and to think that you could pass the torch from DiMaggio in center field to Mickey Mantle in center field, that is an incredible thing to consider. This was a guy that was just, he was the guy. And quintessential 1950s Americana baseball in New York, it's Mickey Mantle. And, yeah, it's Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, but Mickey Mantle I always feel like is kind of in the New York area at least that god among men he's that legendary guy and i'd love to hear more of those uh those stories about those guys and what they did him and billy martin out in the town must have been pretty fun yeah uh,
1: that's the one one of the few that i did not ever have a chance to meet that i have regret in fact i went to a card show one time and i believe he was there but i never went up to him i, I don't remember this scenario of what it was but he is on my short list of unfortunate people that i never had a chance to meet uh over yeah. the
2: course. He sounds um, like a would have been a fun one. I mean if you can get him to really tell you a couple stories or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I really don't really I don't have that experience. Uh
1: nineteen eighty three Reggie Jackson is the first Major League Baseball player to strike out two thousand times. I think Reggie Jackson was sort of like a pioneer, Joe, of just the, of just hitting the home run or striking out. He's kind of like how everybody else is right now.
2: Yeah. Uh I, it's funny. He's paved the way, right? The all or nothing guy. And We've had a lot more of those guys in that era. Dave Kingman comes to mind as another all-or-nothing slugger in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. But Reggie was probably the most spectacular at it. And he hit a lot of home runs, so I guess it worked out for him. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, But, yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more guys that hit that mark. I wonder how many guys actually have that mark nowadays because – it seems like a lot easier to reach 2,000 strikeouts in a <laughs> in a 15 year career it than means. it was uh, back in the 60s and 70s. You look at some of those Joe DiMaggio seasons where he struck out like what like 25 times in the season <laughs> or something like that, where you just you can't even wrap your mind around that. 25 times that's like a month for you know, some of these guys or or two weeks for some more of them. But when I say Reggie Jackson to you, do you always think of him as an A or do you think of him as a Yankee? Because Brett, our producer, oh, and I sure were having this Yankee. conversation. Yeah. even though he won more titles with the A's.
1: Yeah, but I grew up as, as him being one of my favorite players. So
2: Fair enough, fair enough. I, I don't think that A's team gets enough credit for that run that they had. They're kind of, you know, the big red machine kind of took over the mantle in the 70s, but, you know, the A's teams were just as dominant for the first for sure. part of that decade.
1: Yeah, I see, I, I'm scared to get up because it'll ruin the look of the show, but I have, like, an oversized ticket, like a two-foot ticket of the— 78 world series signed by reggie
2: jackson in my office so i i love that everything is with barely with right there like you name something i, I have feel it. like i feel like you're you look at the background everything looks sunny and wide open but really all around craig mish it's like hoarders it's like this incredible weird thing where all these boxes are piled up and all these things and at any moment he could just reach I and pull just, something out I, I love you it
1: name it i probably <laughs> i uh 1999 alan iverson set an nba playoff record with 10 steals and a 97 to 85 win and uh the answer not only a good offensive player but a really good uh defensive player as well and he's been brought up a lot recently of course because of uh, michael jordan and everything else okay uh over to fantasy sports birthdays so here they are for may the 13th 2020 we'll lead off with Bobby Valentine, and a really good manager for a long period of time. Fun guy to talk to as well. He's been posting some fun videos also in uh, during the pandemic. Of course, he's known as being a great Mets manager. But, of course, uh, you know, was Joe was in a lot of other places too. Texas, and then at the end, Boston. Nobody wants to talk about that one.
2: <laughs> no, Boston didn't go very well for him. He did have the awesome white hair by that point, which is pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, Bobby Valentine, uh, he did have a good run with the Mets, but... I'll always think of the mustache. I'll always think of him getting thrown out, coming back with the eye black, the fake mustache, changing the shirt, dark glasses. You're supposed to be the leader of the team, the manager, the adult in the room. And um, I don't think that was a very adult moment. Uh, I just, I don't know, Craig. I mean, could you imagine a Major League Baseball manager right now doing that? I don't know if I can. I feel like they would get fired immediately. Somehow Bobby Valentine got away with it. I'm not sure how.
1: It was fun. It was, it was a big moment for baseball, him sitting on that bench like that. But unfortunately, it's, he's either a lover, love him or you hate him type guy. There's a lot of people who didn't like him, too.
2: I think I respect uh, him as a baseball man, too. And this was another dude also that was a very talented player who also had an early career injury that kind of unfortunately derailed what was a very promising career when he came up with the Dodgers, I believe, if memory serves. That's,
1: that's correct. Uh, 1961, Dennis Rodman was born. And, of course, uh, his name is out there a lot with The Last Dance being on all the time. I've told my uh, story about him
2: asking me to wash uh, his car many times. 1978, Barry Zito. Yeah, fun facts about Barry Zito. The guy got absolutely paid by the San Francisco Giants. A huge contract. I don't know if he was ever quite worth that amount of money. Also, Barry Zito, the guy that picked the number 75 because he thought it looked good that his name looked like it was on a shelf. It's a real quote from Barry Zito. That's why he wore 75. So there you go. And yeah, you think of the uh, Hudson, Mulder, Zito era, and you think of all the genius of Billy Bean and Moneyball and all this stuff. But it's funny how you can look like a genius when you have three absolute horses in the front of a rotation and never really win anything else without that kind of uh, pitching around you. So I always kind of found that to be a bit of a fallacy of the the genius of the Oakland A's. Yeah, it was something about on-base percentage. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's something you can... Work tours and walking more and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, you have three aces in their prime. You're gonna win a lot of games too. Yep.
1: All right. Uh, closing out the birthdays, we have Mike Bibby, born in 1978. Really good, underrated NBA player for a long time, and uh, Teron Matthew, born in 1992. And that uh, closes out our birthdays. Any thoughts on uh, the, the career of Bibby or the still still going, say, blossoming? Yeah. yeah, of uh, of Matthew, who's really, I mean, look, he was kind of discarded and really ended up
2: having a good year last year. He was. Uh, this was a guy that really turned his life around, too, with Bruce Arians and the Cardinals. So good story there. I like the good stories. It's never too late, uh, obviously, to uh, to turn things around. And he had a ton of talent and luckily he was able to uh, find himself in time before things got away from before you lose a career, you know, we are going back a second to, to 1999 talking about Allen Iverson. I feel like Allen Iverson was also the beginning of a new era in the NBA where it started to become a little bit more about the, the one-on-one isolation game. I feel like Allen Iverson started that movement almost in a way. Do you, do you kind of get where I'm going where, you know, it's a lot more passing and things like that in the NBA. and And I feel like the Allen Iverson kind of marked that age of all of a sudden you were isolating guys and just letting Allen Iverson go one on one with a guy because you would always be able to get a shot off or get a move on him or, or break free. And I feel like that's kind of that earmark of where the, the game started to, again, evolve into more of what we have now.
1: It's an interesting thought. I never really you know, thought of it that way. But uh, at the time that Iverson came into the league, there's no doubt like he was uh, that crossover dribble that he had really changed sure everything. And so I think that that's, you know, interesting point. Also, uh, part of it is the NBA has changed so much in terms of the amount of points that are scored. And Iverson was part of that new era of where, you know, any time in the NBA now, games aren't 87, 82 anymore. Every single game is 110 to 105, 120 to 110. Right. The NBA totals, if you're going to bet on them, are somewhere in the 230s, 240s. That's just, people just don't even talk about that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Because you see this some of those scores when you're watching the Last Dance, some of those games sometimes is like 88 to 85. You know, that, that's like that's a third quarter. That's a third quarter game right now in the yeah. modern day NBA. That's where you're leaving you're like, oh good, must be the beginning of the fourth if that's the score. But you're right. It's the lack of defense. It's the fact that also everybody everybody's very three point happy nowadays. I mean, I uh, was before. Reason,
1: that's, listen, the points I pay the bills. I mean, James points Carton, pay the bills. MVPs
2: points. I mean, this is. But does defense still win championships? I guess that's the question. Uh, not on the Warriors, didn't, so. No, but then again, the Warriors had pretty much every good player in the NBA at one time, so that also helps.
1: All right, we'll uh, take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. we got plenty more to come here on the show a little bit later. What we're going to do is dive into some Major League Baseball discussion and maybe pick some players that could be potential National League designated hitters from the NLE. So stay tuned for that. More fourth grid. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia as we have no baseball yet. We're getting closer and closer, I believe, to having a season. So for now, we're taking a look at some of the historical seasons in the history of baseball and the history of fantasy baseball. And of course, 2010, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was 2010, I believe, was the first year I hosted um my own fantasy baseball show on satellite oh. radio. I think that was the first year that it happened. And I'll never forget uh, at the time, I had to go to a studio to do those shows. Didn't have the, the technology to, to be able to do it. I had, it was called ISDN was the technology. Mm-hmm. I used to go to a studio, me and Cliff Floyd would be together. Uh, he, he just retired the year before and I'm teaching him how to play fantasy baseball, and we're going over these guys, and Carl Crawford, I'm like, is he still gonna be good in Boston, where everyone? oh yeah, he'll be fine. Like, I had Tori Hunter, like, I, I remember having these discussions <laughs> and him calling these guys personally, and I had some relationships, but of course not like him. So he's, you know, literally tapping into all of this information, right. and that was the beginning of, of that, I, I can't say that I mean, I feel like fantasy baseball is more popular now than it ever has been, and the NFBC data would show that because more people are playing. But I would say that the nine-year run that I had doing that, it was more or less growing and growing and growing to the point where I think that even though baseball's popularity isn't what it once was maybe 20, 30 years ago, I still feel like the same amount of people are playing the game.
2: Well, I think high stakes uh, has certainly grown in the baseball world, too. I think that's an offshoot of people who have played for so long and the confidence level that a lot of them have. But uh, again, you know, when you look at the fantasy pie, you know, uh, look at book sales, for instance, things like that. NFL is just such a dominant force over everything. But I wanted to take a look back 10 years ago. I didn't realize that's when you had started there. I remember I us trying was to get 10. on that same channel, myself and my podcast partner at the time, Dan Stratford. And uh, we were, you know, hey, we got a podcast. We'd love to come on. We'll take any time slot. I know you're starting this channel. We want to be a part of it. Eventually, I did work my way in there, and I ended up working with you. And uh, it's funny, here we are, ten years later, it's 10 and years it's it's a crazy, crazy, it's a crazy road. But I want to I want to say
1: 2010 was the first year that I did it. It's, in February yeah, I definitely think it was
2: 2010. I because I, I remember when we knew that channel was happening. Like I remember it was around oh nine to 2010 when we knew that. And by the was way,
1: going. the the first show, little known fact, the first show and the first shows that I did on that channel were all football. Before I did baseball. No,
2: true. <laughs> look at that. But 2010, the top draft pick in Major League Baseball was Bryce Harper. And Bryce Never Harper, still in his in his prime years, just signed a huge contract a couple years ago with Philadelphia. And uh, obviously embracing the city. The city's embracing him. I think good things are going to come for that Phillies team. The MVPs that year, these guys still, well, one of them still playing in the Major Leagues. Bryce Harper obviously still is. But Joey Votto still hanging on. Not quite Joey Votto of old, obviously, but 2010 was a very good year for Joey Votto. 36 home runs for him. I think was 37, 113 RBI, 16 stolen bases. He had a 424 OBP and 1,024 OPS. And of course, we can't forget about the year Josh Hamilton had as American League MVP. Now, Josh Hamilton's been a story of redemption and then falling backwards time and time again. And yeah. it's funny when we think about the the, uh, the career of Josh Hamilton, you think of moments of, of peak, like 2010 when he wins the MVP, you think about the Yankee Stadium uh, moment in the home run derby, all of those. And then you think about all the other negatives and the recent negatives too for him. But 2010 obviously hit 359 that year and with a 633 slugging. That pretty much tells you all you need to know about that. So again, I feel like the Josh Hamilton story went from being a, a feel-good one to a not-so-feel-good one, and here we are, you know, at this point, how different 10 years can really uh, shape your opinion of someone.
1: Yeah, Hamilton, I'll always remember the Home Run Derby and being there at Yankee Stadium. I was there, and I remember watching it thinking, I'll never see anything like this ever again, and I don't think that we will. And look, other players have hit more home runs throughout the Home Run Derby, but the show that he put on, just home run after home run, was amazing. Um, In terms of Votto, you know, it's, it's a bad job by me by not researching this, uh, before, before the show, but is it, Votto's got to be the longest tenured player on one team in Major League Baseball, right? Ooh,
2: on one team, I think you're right. I can't think of any. Be. I don't think I have anybody right now that's still on the same team that's played that long. Like, um, Yadi or Molina, maybe. Maybe Yachty, Maybe that's a that's a good one. We might have to check that out. But yeah. uh, it's it, maybe on the break we'll check it out, or maybe our producer will be able to tell us that. But those uh, are the only
1: two names that I really. Yeah. Can think
2: 2010. Of. A lot of it was called the the year of the pitcher. Six no hitters were thrown in 2010 by Ubaldo Jimenez, which I remember that one very well. That was the year of Ubaldo. Uh, one of the first pieces I ever wrote, actually, on Fantasy for a site, was about Ubaldo Jimenez, Dallas Braden, Roy, ha- well, of course, the famous Mother's Day no-hitter that he threw. Uh, yeah, Roy Halladay threw a no-hitter on May 29th. That's right. Edwin Jackson, Matt Garza. There's a name from the past. Oh, so man. Uh, okay. those were your no-hitters, the most ever in a single season. Uh, and also you had Armando Galarraga's near-perfect game. I saw the
1: highlight of that the other day.
2: Yeah, that was another one of those moments where what could have possibly been mm-hmm. uh, Steven Strasburg also of the Washington Nationals struck out 41 batters in his first four major league starts. I don't ever remember a debut quite as electric as that one. There's been yeah, some really good ones. But to me, I'll put my money there. Would you agree with that? That that moment against the Pirates where he just was looked like he was in another universe of everybody else. That was a very exciting debut.
1: It's true. and And he really didn't. Uh, live up to his potential fully until this past year 10 I years I mean, that, that's that, that's really hard to believe years. and that's By why way, I thought this
2: was an interesting year to do because you have that debut of Strasburg and now this is his major or you know one of the major paydays he'll ever have in his career oh, just yeah, this past year good. but it took him 10 years to become that guy he's only got a couple 200 inning seasons even it's been a real up and down and kind of waiting and waiting and it's taken a decade to get the best out of Steven Strasburg, it's fascinating
1: by the way, uh, in I think in ten days, I think I mentioned this probably on the show. But in ten days, there uh, th- the ESPN 30 for 30 is going to debut the Roy Halladay one. I am telling yeah. you now, it's it's going to be as good or better than anything
2: that we've seen. Well, his, Roy Halliday. His life
1: is incredible, talker, incredible.
2: Um, oh, here, oh, we've got some uh, messages for Brett. Here's the longest tenured guys: Wainwright, Zimmerman, uh, Pedroia, who's barely playing, and Molina. All of those guys are still. Uh, Pretty did Majora play last year? No, right? No, he did not play. Uh, no, I don't think he got the field at all last year. If he so did, it's like, number uh, one. I believe that's what he's saying there. Okay. But Roy Halladay, in I forgot 2010, about Adam Lane, right? Yeah, let's let's remember Roy Halladay winning 21 games in 2010. He led the National League in wins and the American League. with was CC Sabathia who just posted a picture on Twitter oh, or Instagram. Uh, Do you see him? He's yoked. Look at CC. He's looking huge right now. Uh, also, some guys there, uh, Felix Hernandez, King Felix, led the league in ERA, in the American League. Kevin Millwood lost 16 games. Jared Weaver led the league in strikeouts in the American League with 235. How did that ever happen? Uh, I don't know. I am not sure of Jared Weaver, but here's another one. In the National League, Tim Lincecum leading the National League in strikeouts with 231. Lincecum, another one of these guys. There was a window here where he was must see television. So much fun. Oh, he'll never last all these things. Well, they were right. He didn't last. My God, it was a really fun ride. I remember his no hitter. I was on air live at Sirius XM broadcasting that night while that game was going on. We were doing pitch by pitch, basically, as that was happening through the eighth and ninth inning. And uh, I remember that was like his last shining moment. But Lincecum. Was there a hotter pitcher at the time than him? Because he was it. Him, Halliday, that was it right there.
1: Yeah, for three or four years, Lincecum was incredible and ended up winning, I believe, two World Series with the San Francisco Giants. And uh, with the, you know, you and I both have, I'm a little taller, I think, than you, but with the height thing, but... The thing that I'll always remember about certain players is when I'm sized up next to them and I'm as tall as them. And Lincecum is one of those guys. Yeah, it does <laughs> Lincecum not very is often. one of those guys where I'll, I'll remember yeah. and go, "Oh, wow, you are as tall as me." You know, yeah. there's not many guys that I could say that about. too. Yeah. Surprisingly, Over- people do people do not agree with me on this. And if if And one-on-one, he would admit it, but I am telling you that I am not much shorter than Alex Bregman. No, I
2: I believe that. I 100% buy into that. Alex Bregman looks like a utility infielder until you watch him play. I mean, if I just saw him, I would think, oh, look, that's just, you know, just a jag.
1: Maybe he's he's 5'9". Maybe he's 5'9". Well, I like that all the short guys are
2: dominating right now. I like that. By the way, 2010 was peak Albert Pujols, too. This is a guy, he led the league in home runs, RBI, and runs scored that year. He just missed the the triple crown. Carlos Gonzalez hit three thirty six that year, but obviously if not for Colorado, maybe it would have been a triple crown year for Albert Pools. Yeah. 42, 118, 115. Doesn't get much better than that. Also, 54 home runs in 2010 for one Jose Batista, a guy who overplayed his hand, I think, in free agency one year, and unfortunately he never quite Harder got the payday. Yeah, very kind of sad, but Jose Batista at that time... Uh, also, Mark Teixeira led the American League in run scored. Miguel Cabrera had 126 RBI. And Ichiro, 214 hits yet again. And our boy Juan Pierre led the American League in stolen bases with 68. Could you imagine seeing 68 steals nowadays?
1: What was that? Juan Pierre on the White Juan Sox? Juan
2: Pierre, Chicago White Sox, and in the National League, Michael Bourne with Houston, 52, led the league there. And uh, so in,
1: in the end, are we going to look back – uh, at, at our eras, who will end up being the better player? Is it going to be Pujols or Miguel Cabrera? Who is it going to be?
2: That's an excellent question. I, I kind of put them as as right there together because I, I think they were oh. equally dominant. Uh, I think Pujols was the better defensive player. I will say that. I know Miguel Cabrera started out playing third base and, you know, dazzled and, you know, dabbled in the outfield a little bit. But I think overall, Albert Pujols was more of an asset to his team at first base. But, I mean, I just think they're right there. I mean, the stats are so even with those two guys. Um, One guy has more titles, though, (laughs) than Albert Pujols. Yeah, Uh, I think Pujols will probably
1: get a little bit of a nod, but it is very close. And, and again, uh, individually, uh, Cabrera has a triple
2: crown. He does. He does, indeed. Uh, San Francisco Giants were the World Series champions that year. They uh, they beat the Texas Rangers. Uh, World Series MVP, Edgar Renteria, And this was the beginning of that every other year run of the odd, the uh, odd and even year. So the even years of the Giants winning the World Series. This is kind of in the thick of that. So 2010, only 10 years ago. But in a way, it kind of seems like a lifetime, doesn't it? I mean, Uh, (laughs) when you think about that, I mean, Bryce Harper, number one overall pick still in his prime. Everything else, it's kind of like, wow, it feels like so long ago to think about names like jared weaver and kevin millwood for god's sakes
1: yeah oh, it's it's true and especially hearing the pitchers that's the most significant change that happens yeah. josh johnson baseball.
2: ryan wilson those were the kind of the guys that people were fighting over each other to have in uh in fantasy leagues and look now you know not not a lot of long careers here except for Halliday and sabathia those were kind of the two guys that we were talking about but linsegum didn't quite go as long as you hoped no. um you know, Sebastian tried to come career. back
1: a couple years ago. Lincoln. We got a million dollars to to make eight starts in the minors. Never even right. saw a day of major league pitching. I mean, that's, I mean but he, he was had fun that to watch. Out in cargo pants, crazy.
2: He was fun to watch. That's no, all I know.
1: No, no question about it. He was for uh, a handful of years, without a doubt. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, Joe and I get back into it. We've got some fantasy stuff, some reality stuff as well to get to, and also we've got our season win totals today. We're going to dive into a couple of teams in the AFC South. That's coming up next right here on Sports Grid. Right here, you can watch us every day, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, as we catch you here on Sports Grid every day. Also coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell, Coast to Coast. The show is live. We'll be back right after this.
0: DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to the show, Craig and Joe here with you.
1: As we learned recently, that Tony Hawk is going to have all of his games uh, back available on Xbox and potentially PlayStation.
2: Were you ever a big skateboarder, Joe? Did you ever no. ride a skateboard? No, I I always thought it was going to be uh, a death trap for me. And I'm a pretty good athlete, you know, but rode my bikes and all that stuff. But uh, the skateboarding skateboard, skateboard, always looked. Huh? Never a skateboarder. I, I don't know I was, why. I, I just,
1: was into it in the 80s, I, I, but I, I was not good at it at all. But I was a little bit into it.
2: Well, there was also like a weird stigma there, too. Where it was like the, the kids who skateboarded and hung out behind the drugstore, those kids and stuff like that. And I was a part of that group of kids. I did have some friends who were part of that group of kids. But like, I, I just, I don't know. Skateboarding to me was just not something that I ever had the desire to see. Well, how much can I fly up in the air and then land on the concrete and hurt myself? I just didn't see the. I didn't see the point of that. Like, if I could flip my board over, I didn't realize that was such an impressive thing. Uh, I don't know. I, I just yeah, never enough. got that. But uh, did you ever have that thing? Did you ever want to I did. I had a
1: skateboard. I did. Listen, first of all, again, I was horrible. But I had a huh. skateboard. And I remember when I was younger, I took a trip to San Francisco, which at the time, um, they had a, a store there that was very popular. It was called Skates on Hate. Hate in Ashbury over there. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the store, buying stickers, Buying those little mini skateboards too. Uh, Christian Hosoi was one of my favorites at the time. Nobody even knows who that is. Uh, but then, because it's in San Francisco, I remember what I did was I got on my skateboard, and I wanted to. And because uh, the my family friends who we always stay with like live in the heart of the city in San Francisco, they still live there to this day. And. So I got on my skateboard, and I'm like, ah, this doesn't look so steep, you know? It's like at the the top of their house. And (laughs) and I was just going and going and going, and I literally, like, had to jump off the skateboard and, like, roll around and go get the skateboard at the bottom of the hill. I thought to myself, wow, like, I am done.
2: And I think that was pretty much it. Yeah, the X Games, I never thought were going to become the thing that they were. They are. And and they are. I mean, I think at one point they were even more popular than they are now. I could be wrong about that, but... Maybe it's just because it seems like there's so many other options, but I think there was a time in that in that late 90s where, and you know, the Tony Hawk era where the X Games became just a phenomenon. Uh, you know, ESPN really capitalized and found alternative sports, as I like to call them the Mountain Dew sports. You know, the extreme, right. you know, the different colors of Mountain Dew, and that's – you drink the Mountain Dew and then you get on the skateboard or the BMX bike and you do stuff, but – yeah, and who would have thought that some of the X Games things would eventually become part of the Olympics too? Which were fascinating. Not something that anybody thought that would ever happen, but it did. And Tony Hawk is, I think, the most iconic figure without
0: oh, for sure a- anyone his
2: even yeah. yeah anyone even talking about it. I-, I wonder is is he kind of arguably the most you know when you're talking about somebody who just dominates a sport. I mean, he's kind of in that same realm of the all-time greats like, of anything, right? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, we don't talk about it that
1: way. That's true. His name is 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 synonymous it is the with the sport yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. it's it's the entire sport for sure but it also got me thinking because right now is is are you still playing animal crossing every night or oh
2: i'll play in the animal if, if i get a chance it's not, it's not oh, looking good for down tonight. to i get a chance That's uh well you know you said joe can you come back on here so the hour i used to have to myself now it's gone yeah no it doesn't exist anymore but i'm happy to spend what it about eight
1: o'clock at night
2: oh uh, by that time i'm i am checked out but you know, maybe i just finished i did finally no i'm not fi- i'm not checked but i will say this i did finally finish ozark season three last night so that's what i did at eight o'clock last night so now i'm caught up on ozark let me tell you that's the way to end a year for a series like that, that that's how yeah, i don't want to it. ruin
1: it for anybody but yeah no, but really that,
2: good, that, really that's good a good ending show. right there you think, do t- you think it's the best
1: drama type show that that we've had in the last five, ten well, years. Well,
2: you know, so. I thought Game of Thrones had some elite level acting, but I don't think there's ever been a show that had such incredible, um, episode to episode, complete character to character acting that you get. Like, you know, there's always hit and miss in different things. Of I think course. Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones is classical, it's a different kind of feeling with the language in terms of modern contemporary acting. I think I would put Ozark. I think season nine, excuse me, season three, episode nine this uh, last ones that I were watching last night, the scenes between the brother who's dealing with the mental illness, yeah. that guy and Laura Linney, the, the stuff going on, the work between the two of them as actors is just off the charts. It's like going to acting school for people. I mean, you can go there and you can learn so much about working with each other, but also how much how important emotional preparation is. And you gotta realize, you know, people take for granted, just like on this show and other shows, things happen and you have to stop and then restart again. And you've got to do that same scene with that same emotion, I don't know, five, six, seven, ten times potentially. And then you got to turn and do it from different angles, so you get the pickups for the close-ups for Laura Linney's character, and the close-ups for the other character, and go back and forth. People don't understand how difficult film acting can be and how arduous. But a good director will set everybody up so they can only have to do that scene a couple times because it's so emotionally taxing. What do you think about? You know, they realize that that that's that episode probably took days and days and days to shoot, right? Maybe even weeks to shoot. Imagine how many times and how many spots you had to like get up and gear up for that again. People don't realize how hard it is, but for my money, man, I think it's right up there with anything I've ever seen acting-wise. It is so good. And one of my old teachers on it who uh, played the lawyer, oh, really? my friend uh, Janet McTeer, who uh, was actually uh, played uh, Helen on the series, who uh, I was so pleasantly surprised to see her. And if you notice, she is so enormously tall. There's a lot of scenes where she's actually – someone's on a step talking to her. Or someone, like, walking behind her two feet, and that's a little little tricks they do on camera so people look like they're in the same status. But she is a good six-foot-plus. He's, he's a very tall woman.
1: Well, I, I will say this. Um, I don't want to ruin the show for anybody, but it's very unclear as to whether or not she will appear on the next uh, <laughs> episode of,
2: of, of uh, All I'll say is this. Um, We're unsure. We'll just leave it 20- at that. This is one of these things. I will say this: I'm pretty sure that even if they ended the show and never did another one, I would be satisfied with the show. Like, I feel like they could have actually stopped the show and not do another season. They could have. Time.
1: They really could have. That's how strong the. I know
2: was. we've kind of gone down a rabbit hole, but this—it's no, it's quality.
1: No, Right now, you know. Um. So, uh, in terms of video games, like b- besides Animal Crossing, is there anything? Oh during the last 30 days oh, yeah. that you've gotten south back park. into play
2: i've been playing the south park game a little bit okay. and i haven't played video games by myself in i don't know in in a decade like when you have little kids there's just no time and you're working several jobs and you're trying and you're a single parent on top of that there's no time for video games i haven't you know i don't play any time i would ever play madden even is if like you know i go to one of my friend's houses and they have teenagers and we sit there and, oh yeah all right i'll play the 14 year old in madden and. I guess still hold my own, but uh, you know they're they're just better at this point. They're just they're just better. Uh, but it's been kind of weird. Like video games, are almost like my kind of release. There's been that South Park game. I told you, it's called the Fractured Butthole. Yeah, mm-hmm. very funny game. Again, that that's kind of like my speed. It's like I don't want something too challenging. I, I want didn't. challenging enough that it keeps my interest, but at the same time challenges me enough that you know I, I want to keep playing it, but not something that's going to make me feel like i'm inferior as an old person playing video games do you play video games anymore
1: well i played with my son on the on RBI baseball on the xbox and Right, the I've been i mean, on the
2: RBI a, oh by the I'm way a, did you get the uh, did you go on the ebay and look for the used no we haven't PS- done that yet no
1: well, no but i don't I, I i'll eventually get to i may just end up caving and buying the old one i
2: don't know well when is the what? new one coming out i cannot figure this out it always comes out at christmas but i told you you don't you can buy people are going to be unloading them if there's a whiff of the 5 coming out People are going to be Odin loading the PS4 any minute now. You can get away with this, and look, there's no camps this year. It might have to turn to uh, at some point uh, MLB the Show for a couple hours it here and there. Be.
1: But the other thing that I have is I have the the uh, there's a company called Arcade One Up. Mm-hmm. It came out about a year ago with the three quarter size, uh, you know, full video games. So we bought Galaga and we bought Pac-Man.
2: Oh, so I know those. Yeah. yeah. I like those. That's fun. Oh, yeah. The Switch, actually, for Nintendo has a thing where you can play some of the old video games, the old, originally Nintendo. But it's weird. Like, you have a service, and every month they, you know, pop new ones on there. But you know what kind of stinks is uh, – what's frustrating is they don't have, like, RBI baseball pop up there. They don't have – they have Tecmo Bowl, but where's RC Pro-Am? Where's, you know, they have Double Dragon, but – Yet they're missing a lot of other like classic games. They're putting games I've never even heard of that I don't know who likes, but I don't know. It was games we never played when we were kids. I, I want RC Pro-Am, damn it. On the old I school Nintendo. I loved RC Pro-Am. Yeah. Right? That's probably like the gra- that. I'll I'll go to my grave for saying that's my most favorite racing game because I'm not a big I racing say, I game think guy. That's
0: fair. Yeah. That
2: was fun. Little remote control cars that shot missiles. I mean, what more do you need? How about um
1: any of the baseball games that you liked in the past?
2: Uh rbi baseball original was always fun but my favorite of the nintendo baseball games will always be baseball stars yeah Yeah, because baseball stars was the first one where you could make your own team it was like you could create your friends or you could create all these things and you could you know go through and or even make i remember some of my friends we made major league teams and we would play against each other plus you had the legends team that only had first names like pete or lou (laughs) right or tie, <laughs> right? The,
1: I love didn't that. Didn't they have the Didn't they have the lovely ladies also? They had the
2: lovely ladies. Right. They also had the ghosts team. Remember that the ghouls or whatever right. the hell they were. That was the weirdest part. Like the randomness of those games was was unbelievable. But I I, I Baseball Stars to me was my favorite. Was that your favorite
1: like, also? Yeah, I would say so. I thought that, the gameplay was, was good but, too. But Tech Mobile would have been my all time favorite. That would have been.
2: I think know, the gameplay in Baseball Stars was way ahead of itself. And then the next time I remember liking a baseball game that much was when EA Sports was very heavy into baseball, and they did the triple play series. We played triple play 99. Me and my buddy Kurt, we played that game till it broke practically. It was crazy. It was such a fun game. And that was, again, you could start to reorder the league and draft teams, and you could really almost like fantasy baseball it up. But then EA kind of got out of the baseball market after a long time. I think they was MVP baseball might have been the last EA one they did. and then. After that, they got out of that business, and ever since, it's been kind of a bummer. But I know MLB The Show seems to be the one everybody loves now. Haven't gotten to that one. Have you played that at all?
1: No, I have
2: not. I no. know Paul Spore is a professional. Yeah. He actually gets paid money. He streams money. every night, right? He streams and people actually – somehow he makes money – playing video games on Twitch. I don't know how this happens. It's, that's crazy. I know but, I know
1: that it, it happens.
2: I, I think I can make money playing Animal Crossing. I think some of my reactions are worth it. I think if that's all it is, it's about funny reactions, I'll give you funny reactions while well, I play video games for sure. What do you think is going to happen when we're older? Not old, but older. You know, the generation that, you know, is older in their 80s and 90s, there's still people at the, you know, some of the the rest areas and homes and things they like to play bingo. And that's like, we're never going to do that. What are we going to be doing? I imagine we're playing, we're playing vintage video games. I imagine there's a foosball Maybe. table there. Like, I, right? We're not playing bingo, you and me.
1: I would say we probably have an N64 there or a PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. Sega Genesis. Could
2: I'm going to be in my room playing Metal Gear forever. That's what I'm going to Knock on my door and just slide the tray under the door. Just open the door, slide the tray in. I'm playing Metal Gear. Leave me alone. That's that's probably where I'm going to
1: be. We won't have trays where
2: we're going, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> trays? Who needs trays? Who needs trays? Just virtual meals. Everything's going to be in pill form, right? That's all we need. <laughs>
1: that's what I hear. All right. That'll do it for the first hour of our show. Coming up, we're going to get into the Tennessee Titans win total. Jacksonville Jaguars. No, they are not playing against each other this year in the NFL. That's really good news for all of us. I know we love that color rush on Thursday night between Tennessee and Jacksonville (laughs) when they finally eliminated the worst possible game that I would watch the college football game every Thursday night when they aired that game. Thankfully that is over, but we gotta take a quick break. Uh, We'll have that, we'll also have some thoughts on what the baseball landscape could look like as far as the designated hitter and the reserve list coming up later in the show. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Don't go away, we're back in
0: just two minutes.